way maker. I know he does things and I know he opens doors for those who wants it. So when I ask that we just empty ourselves so that we can receive everything that he has for us this morning, right? We want nothing of ourselves. Ourselves will get us nowhere. And if you guys look at your life and look at yourself and you try to do things yourself, where did that get you? Nowhere, right? <laughs> right? And it's only when God has entered your life when you start realizing things have been stepping and moving forward, right? You can only continue moving your life and doing the things you want to do the way you want them doing for so long until you just hit a, and then you're like, I can't do it no more, right? But let's not get to that point, right? Let's, 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 let's ask for help now so that we can get through that. When we get to that point, we have somebody on our side saying, I'm going to kick that door down, get you through that point, right? We, all, we, we often get ourselves in scenarios where we can't get ourselves out, but there's somebody who can get ourselves out of it. We got to stop realizing that it's not about us, that it's about way more than just church, being a Christian, honoring our Father. It's about way more than that. And, and we got to start realizing that we are disciples of our Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We are, we are supposed to reach and teach and preach his word. We're supposed to be letting people know of who he is. And if people see our character the way we show ourselves, how do you expect them to get to Christ? Right? We got to start showing God, God, God in every single scenario, God in every single situation, God in every single input in our lives. And the only way we can even do that is if we give up ourselves. If we give up everything that we've been going through to allow somebody else to help us. I know if anybody's in this room that is like me, I don't like help. It's the truth. But I've been learning that I need help. I need to give it up. I need to give up my, my, myself so that I can get the help that I need. And I hope that some of you guys are realizing that you need help and that you need to stop trying to do things yourself and that you need to ask for help. So this is not just a prayer for me. This is a prayer for you. And I ask that our Father right now, Lord, that you just empty us, Father. That you just empty us so that we can receive what you have for us in this room this morning, Lord. Lord, let us realize that we are nothing without you. We are nothing without you, Father. So, Father, fill us up with your love and your joy so that we can preach, teach, and, and speak your word to the people of those who don't know of you, Father. So that we can have the right answer when they ask, Lord. So that we can, so that we can understand that, that the questions that they're asking, Father, who, who are you and, and the things that you do and why do you do the things that you do, Lord. Father, let us empty ourselves so that we can be trained by you and you only, Lord, to teach your word. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we, stand, can we stand up and give our Lord honor in this room this morning?
chosen. I know who I am. I know what you spoke I'm already loved more than I could imagine. Christ is my family. The rock on which I stand. 
faithful through generations. So I will even now he won't. He won't.
to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just wanted to take that moment and, and give praise to the Lord because, you know, think about that time when you didn't think you were going to make it. When you didn't, when you got knocked down and you didn't think you were going to get back up. When you didn't when you didn't think that you would ever bounce back from that situation, when you thought you were going to die, when you thought everybody gave up on you, when you thought you were never going to make it, guess what? Our God never fails. Amen. And I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I can tell you that you can trust him. Amen. Our God never fails. He's never wrong. He's never late and he never loses. Amen. Amen. Let's lift up praise to him today. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you will never fail us. It doesn't matter what we're going through. There's not a problem that's too big for you. There's not a sickness that's too, 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 that you can't heal. There's no one that's too lost that you can't save. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you will never fail. We trust in you. Even, even if it seems like Everything in the natural is pointing otherwise. We stand on your word. And we stand on your promises. Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that you can make a way where there seems like no way. That you can make a river in the desert. Lord, we thank you for streams of living water. We thank you that the river's about to break, Lord. We thank you that walls are about to be torn down. We thank you that doors are about to open. We thank you, Lord, that prodigal sons and daughters are coming back here on this Mother's Day. We give you honor, we give you glory, and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. 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 Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We're going to go off script a little bit. That's cool. Cause I seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I see you do it again. You made a way when there is no way, and I believe I see you.
Father, I just thank you for this time together, Lord, just allowing us to just seek and just soak in your presence, Father. Lord, I ask that you just continue, continue to fill us up and keep us in his presence for you, Lord. Father, I feel that like we're unshaken when we're just with you, Father. We're unshaken when we're in your presence, Lord. Lives are renewed and changed when we, when we are in your presence, Father. So I just ask that we can just stay, stay in your presence, Lord. As we continue to serve us, Father, allow these people in this church to just feel you and want you, Lord. Feel you and want you more and more and more and more. Allow them to humbly come, humbly come to your cross and, 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 and let go of all their pride and all their, all their hurt and all their pain, Father, and just let it go so that they can be healed and healed by you, Lord. Father, we are nothing without you. Father, I put a special protection upon these kids this morning, Lord, as they get ready to learn your word, Father. Father, these kids are the next generation. These kids are the ones who are going to rise up for you, Father. And I thank you for allowing us to just have them. So, Father, I put a special protection upon these teachers as they get ready to teach your word, Lord. Give them the strength to give them the courage to understand what these kids are talking about, understand what these kids are speaking, understand what these kids want. And these kids ultimately want love. So give these teachers the strength to show them love, to show them courage, to just allow these kids to just soak and fill you, Father. Allow your words to speak out these teachers' mouths this morning that's just going to erupt in these kids' brains so they can feel you and know you and get to know who you are. Get to know who you are. Get to know what you do. Get to know the things and the plans that you have for them, Father. Father, you're going to take them to the next. You're going to take us to the next. And with you, all things are possible. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Check one, two. We good? Might just need uh, turned up a little bit. Maybe the preamp. All right, we're sounding good. Hey guys, happy Mother's Day. Welcome to church. Glad you guys can be here. If you could turn the lights up for me, buddy, I'd appreciate that. And we're gonna go ahead and uh, we're gonna take today's offering. I, if you go into my office, um, Somebody bought me uh, this, it's like a little statue, and uh, it's two guys, and they're carrying like a stick, and on the stick, it's just this like huge cluster of grapes. Like it's like the guys are walking, and then there's like a cluster of grapes that they're carrying, and like the cluster of grapes is like big as the guys. And I was looking at it this morning, and... I thought of this passage, it's in uh, Joshua chapter 5 verse 12, it says, the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Now while they were journeying in the wilderness, God made bread come down from heaven. And basically all they had to do at that time was they woke up in the morning, they would gather enough bread for that day. Um, they were supposed to just gather for that day. If they tried to gather for another day, it would spoil. But every day the, the bread would come down, except for on the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, they would get enough for two days so they would rest and they wouldn't gather. So they're journeying in the wilderness. But that wilderness kind of represents a state of immaturity. And that was a place of, you know, God provided for them, but it was like just enough for what they needed for the day, but there was never an abundance. But the promised land was about bringing them into a place of abundance. And when 
they sent the spies to spy out the land. That's when they came back carrying that big cluster of grapes. I mean, big stick with grapes. I mean, those are some huge grapes because that's how bountiful the land was producing. And, you know, there, we know the story of the spies. There were some that said, yeah, it's great. You know, uh, it, we, we can go there, we can take the land. But most of them were like, no, there's giants there. But, but the point of when the men came back is, is just the, 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 how the land produced so well. If, if they planted in that ground, then it would produce bountifully. And so once they crossed over into the promised land, once they got over there, then the manna ceased to come down from heaven. Why? Because he was maturing them. And he was saying, okay, while you were immature, there was a place where it just came to you. But now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a land that's so bountiful. If you take some of what I give you, and if you sow that in the land, it'll reap a harvest that's going to be so big that you're going to need two guys to carry just a cluster of grapes. And so it was up to them. The land was provided for them. It was a bountiful land. The land would reap a good harvest, but they had to take some of the fruit that was already there. They couldn't eat everything they had because then they would have nothing to sow. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, uh, he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And what it's saying is just in the same way that back then, they sowed into a, a, a bountiful ground and then they would reap a harvest so that they would not just have enough, but they would have an abundance. It's the same way that if we take some of what God gives us and we sow it into good ground and attach our finances to what God is doing, then we will begin to reap a bountiful harvest in the same way, amen? Thank you, Lord, for uh, all that you're doing. Uh, in this congregation, Lord, we thank you for the plans and purposes that you have for us. Lord, I pray that, uh, I pray for everyone who's, who's, uh, who, who links their finances up to what you are doing, Lord. I thank you that you are taking that giving and you, and, and you are multiplying it back to them. Lord, that they would have an abundance for every good work, Lord, and we give you honor and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys may go ahead and take the offering and they're going to go ahead and they're going to play a, a video for you the the uh people that are here for the baby dedications if you could begin making your way forward that would be great this spring only one hero can save her family and prevent disaster. Mom, we're gonna be late for school. I don't think so. Whoa. Experience the phenomenon that critics are calling inspiring. Mom, I can't find number 17. Come on, Billy, dig deep. A lot of fun. Your genius. Mom, where's my phone? Table. Keys. Mudroom. Dragon Man. Under the couch between the monkey and the flip-flop. How does she do that? Created by God to demonstrate his love with grace, elegance, and poise. 
All right. Big shout to the moms out there. Now, we got roses for all the moms. If you didn't, if you came in and you didn't get a rose, make sure you get one on the way out. I don't know where Tom disappeared to, but, uh, oh, there he is. I missed him. But, you know, you get, just give a shout out to uh, our friend Tom right there, and he'll make sure that he gets a, he gets a rose to you. So uh, they'll be there on uh, the way out, and he, he can take that to you. So just want to let you know that uh, we appreciate everything you do. And um, today, uh, on this Mother's Day, we get to do baby dedication. So I, I'm happy about that. It's always a fun day. And, and why do we dedicate the children? Well, we do it from the Bible. Now, obviously, like in our faith tradition, we don't baptize infants. What we do is we do a believer's baptism. So what we believe is that when a child gets to what we call the age of accountability, the reason we don't put an age on there, we don't say, well, it's this age, is because obviously different children mature at different times and different paces. And when they are old enough to uh, understand the, the gospel message, right, then they have an accountability to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. And when they can understand that, when they understand the, 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 the message of grace, the good news, then at that time they can be baptized because they believe. But what we do with our children is we dedicate them, and we don't just dedicate them because, well, we don't do infant baptism, so we got to do something, right? That's not why we do it. We see biblically, we see it uh, in both in the Old and New Testament, um, you know, in, in the Old Testament, you know, you look at somebody like Hannah and, you know, Hannah was barren and she went to the temple and she prayed and said, you know, Lord, if you will just give me a child, then I'll dedicate that child back to you. And she did it with Samuel, who was a, a mighty prophet of God and anointed David to be king. And then Jesus himself was bought, brought by his family to the temple and he was dedicated as well. So um, this is a time where we, uh, you know, we, we pray for everybody and um, we wanna welcome, if you've never met them before, this is Erica and Zach and their three children. Uh, we have Dominic, Gavin and Savannah here with us. And also we have Brianna on the end and our daughter, Samaria, and we have Christina and Theo. So uh, could we give them guys a round of applause? And so uh, today these parents, they, they've come to give thanks for their children and we're gonna dedicate them to the Lord, praying that um, they would all come to know and, and serve him. And this is also a time where we lift the parents themselves up to God, asking them to give them wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and ability to raise their children in the way of the Lord. And as a church, we dedicate ourselves, first of all, to setting a, God, to setting a godly example for all the children that they're gonna be dedicated today. We don't wanna raise up children and be like, man, yeah, I went to this church and everybody was crazy and blah, 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 and I'm never going back to church again, right? Because I hear those stories all the time. And so we as a church have a responsibility to be good examples for these kids. And um, we also have a responsibility to support and 
pray for every parent here so that they can um, establish and maintain a godly household. And we're, again, believing that every child here will grow up and follow uh, the path that God has for their life. I just want to read a quick verse of Scripture, Psalm 139. Hey, buddy. Psalm 1, that scare you, huh? You thought you were going to sneak up on me, man. I don't. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, from the Passion Translation, it, it says, um, You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing into something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me, before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me, were already recorded in your book. Every single moment, you are thinking of me. So now I'm going to ask you guys a couple. Why don't you go and stand with your mommy, buddy? So, Draco, go ahead and just stand with your mommy, dude. All right. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and we're going to ask these guys some questions. And we just would like you guys to um, respond to them if you agree. So Erica, Zach... Christina and Brianna, do you recognize that your children are a gift from God? And do you thank God and glorify God for the gift of your children? Do you accept the joys and the responsibilities of parenting, promising to give proper love and care to your children throughout their life? With the help that God provides, do you commit to teach your kids the fullness of God's word and demonstrate through your own example and witness what it means to love God with your heart, soul, and strength. All right, you guys are quiet. You're supposed to have your shouting voice on right now. So uh, I'm gonna ask the congregation, will you offer your ongoing love, support, prayers, and encouragement to Erica, Zach, Christina, and Brianna in their role as godly parents. If you agree, say, we will. We will. will you also be faithful in praying for Dominic, Gavin, Savannah, Samaria, and Theo, and as much as you are able, help teach and set a godly example for them so that they might one day come to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Yeah. All right. So um, now I'm going to pray for each of the children, and um, what I'm going to pray over them, I'm going to pray something called the, uh, the high priestly prayer. So um, this was a prayer that was given in number six, and it was given for Aaron to pray over um, all the, the children, and God says when this prayer is prayed, I'm going to put my name on them. And what it means to put his name is saying he's going to put his very identity. What does it mean when you get married and you take somebody else's name, right? You become part of their family. So God says when we say this prayer that he's going to place their name on them. So I'm going to 
anoint each one of the kids and I'm going to pray for them. And this oil represents the Holy Spirit. Hey, honey, I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May, may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. Lord, I just thank you for this child. I just lift him up to you. Lord, I thank you that he is going to be a special child. Lord, I thank you that you have a special calling and a special anointing for his life. Lord, I pray that your protection for him for all his days. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Hold this for a second. Okay, I got your hands full. Lord, I thank you for this baby girl. I thank you, Lord, that you have a special calling on her life. Lord, I thank you that you're going to do great things through her life. Lord, I pray your blessing upon her. Pray you keep her healthy and whole. In Jesus' name. <laughs> I figured you guys were too big to pick up. So, so um, we have some uh, we have some um, gifts for today. Um, here, I'll just we got some certificates first of all. So we got Dominic certificate. We got Gavin. Savannah, and we got, got um, all you guys, we got you guys um, kind of Bibles for you that are kind of, you know, uh, geared towards your age groups. This is Theo and Samaria. Could we give these guys a round of applause? Thank you, guys. Great job. Appreciate you. So um, if you have your Bibles with you, let's open them up. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is where we're going to be today. And I kind of am going to deviate. We have been uh, doing a series of messages um, on the Holy Spirit. And um, I really felt like I was supposed to take a jump off of that. And I have a different message that uh, I think God really put on my heart that I called passing the baton. And um, for some of you guys, you're like mad that we're not talking about the Holy Spirit today. For some of you guys are like, oh man, finally, like I get to, I get to chill, like, you know. Passing the baton. If you're there, the book of Hebrews, say amen. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down on the right hand of God. If you could just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would add a blessing to your word. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to preach and teach your word. Lord, I pray that this word would have impact. Lord, I pray that this word would change the way we think. Lord, I pray that our thinking would be more aligned in the way that you think. Lord, we know that your word says that your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. Lord, but I pray that we would have the mind of Christ today. And Lord, I pray that the word would go out. Lord, it would do exactly what you called it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, one of the most popular events um, in the Olympics when it comes to track and field is uh, the relay races and, and especially the four by 100 relay. Now, I, I like to run and this summer or well, kind of when the weather broke, I started running again. And you know, whether you're like running a, a 5K, 10K, right? You're jogging or even if you're, you know, doing sprints for the most part, like running is a, like a one person sport. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm by myself, you know, I'm running, like if I'm running by myself, like it's kind of me versus me. Like when my mind's telling me like, why don't you just stop and go back and like go to bed? Like, why are you doing this to me? Like, I wanna just be home. Like, so, so you're kind of fighting that so you can kind of just keep running or, you know, even if you're in a foot race with somebody, right? Whoever is able to push their body the hardest and get to that finish line, like they're the winner. But a relay race is, is a little bit different. It's not just about one person, it's, it's all about the team, right? There's a team that has to be there. And you could have one person that is like the fastest runner, but if he's the fastest runner and everybody else on his team is slow, guess what? They're gonna lose even though he ran the fastest time because it matters that everybody in the team uh, runs good. And, you know, but when you get to the Olympics, Almost everybody is running at a high level. 
Like you don't get into the Olympics by, you know, being a slacker, right? You don't get to the Olympics by, you know, sitting on the couch, eating gummy worms, you know, watching TV, you know? Like you've been trained by the best people. You're already genetically an exceptional athlete and you've been trained and, and you're a top-notch athlete. But a lot of times what happens is the race comes down to that moment when the baton is handed off. It only takes like approximately about two seconds and it's about 20 meters because both runners gotta be in stride and it only takes two seconds and 20 meters and if that baton isn't handed off just right, the people lose the race. Because no matter how fast you're running it, if that baton gets dropped, then you're automatically disqualified and the race is over. And I think that in our Christian walk, we have a tendency to think that we're in this individual race, that, that it's about us, that, that we're running our race, that we have a, a span of time that's our lifetime, and, and, and we're running that race. And as long as we get done what we can for us, then that's good enough. But this passage tells us that we're not just in a race with ourselves, that there's a whole cloud of witnesses that have went before us, and we're just a part of God's great and miraculous, eternal and glorious plan that, that, there's this, uh, that there's this army full of witnesses, people that went before us, right? People like Abraham, people like David, people like Elijah, right? Jesus went before us and Peter and, and James and all these people, they, they competed in their race, but we wouldn't be here if they didn't do their part. So they were, they were running their race with us in mind all these years later. So it, it's not just about us. God's plan is not just about you. If we look at this church right here, I became the pastor in 2011, but this church was planted in 1999. And it was all because there was a pastor, a guy by the name of Pastor James and his native country was from Burma and he decided to start a church that met in Janet's garage. And then he got that church linked up with Foursquare and they gathered in a garage. And then at the same time, um, uh, um, why am I blanking out on their name? Uh, Bonnie and Dave Propelka started a, a house church in their church or in their they started a house church <laughs> in their house and um i gotta slow down and so anyway they started this uh this church in their house they started a bible study and it just continued to grow and they saw that god was in it and they decided that they wanted to link their church up with Foursquare, which got them hooked up with pastor james and then new hope church was born and then the church began meeting in a, in, a, in a middle school auditorium and then Rima Christian School when I began going to it. And then they eventually, they, they handed off the baton to Pastor Chuck Laporte and he became the senior pastor of the church and he decided that the church needed a home. And, and they looked around and they found this place and in 2006, New Hope Church bought the St. Stanislaus Church from the Catholic Church, and we began meeting here. And then Pastor Chuck decided that 
that, that he was going to hand off the baton again. And, and, and some other pastors took over the church. But guess what? They decided that they weren't going to hand off the baton. They decided that, you know what? This isn't a good situation for us. We're, we're kind of running into some spiritual warfare. We're running into some hard times. So we're just going to pick up and leave. And they decided not. So all of a sudden, we didn't, have a, we didn't have a handoff. We had a dropping of the baton. And because of that, the church almost died. Because somebody ran the race and they weren't thinking about the people that were coming after them. They were just looking at it as like, you know what, this is my life, this is my, and I got to think about what's good for me. They weren't thinking about, you know what, we need to make sure we have have a handoff because God has a plan and he has a vision after this. Well, we were able to, to, to bounce back from that, but, you know, I've personally had to shut down two churches. So right now I serve as an area pastor for Foursquare and, um, I had to actually go to two churches where, you know, pastors had either left, they either retired, or uh, for one reason or another, they kind of had some things that were happening in their life, and they had to step down, and they had no plan of succession. They had really no one that they handed the baton off to. And, you know, it it was a sad thing to have to go there and say, you know what, Unfortunately, you know, I got to shut this church down because they just thought about what was good for them. They didn't have this vision of, you know what, I'm just, I'm part of the race. People think about like, what are they going to accomplish in their lifetime? But have you ever thought about like what your legacy is going to be like after your life is over? Who is, who is coming after you? Who is following after you? And what are you doing for them? And in the Bible, there's there's examples of good handoffs and there's some examples of some bad handoffs as well. And it said that the Old Testament is written uh, for us for examples. If you want to look at a good handoff, you can look at the handoff between Moses and Joshua. Moses was this, you know, powerful leader of Israel, led them out of bondage, led them out of captivity. And he had a person who served under him by the name of Joshua. When Moses went into the presence of God, Joshua would go into the presence of God. And when uh, Moses went to go be with the Lord, then Joshua took over and Joshua was able to take them into the promised land. He was able to take them out of the wilderness and cross them into the promised land as which they were supposed to go. Moses got a glimpse of it, but he wasn't able to see it. But luckily he had a successor and he was able to hand it off and and Joshua became the successor and Joshua was able to take the people of God where Moses couldn't, take them to, to an even greater place. And Joshua is a unique character in the Bible because, you know, a lot of people will say with Joshua, well, you know, Joshua is one guy you read his entire life and, you know, there's not a place where he slipped up. There's not a place where he messed up. But the reality of it is, is there is because um, 
after Joshua got to the promised land and after all these great accomplishments that he has, it basically says that, um, that after Joshua's generation, another generation raised up. And guess what? They, they did not know everything that the Lord had done for them. And it says that because they, they didn't know everything that the Lord had did for them and, and they didn't follow the Lord, that basically that next generation provoked God to anger. And everything that was built up in that time, everything that he built up began to slowly fall apart as people began to fall into idol worship and worshiping false gods and, and kind of forgetting about where their blessing came from. What a shame it would be for us to sit here and, and build a great church in our generation and then just have it just fall into ruin in the next generation. We need to have a vision that goes beyond our lifetime, that goes beyond just us and just thinks about what's good for us. We need to have a vision. I call it have a transgenerational vision for ministry. I want, to, I want us to turn to 1 Chronicles 22, verse 5. And I, and, I want us, and I want us to look at what is really one of the best examples of um, passing the baton well and, and having this, this, this transgenerational vision of, of ministry. And I think it all kind of ties into the same thing. You know, we've got we, we've to always remember that, you know, that, that, us serving God, it's not about us. It's not about us. And a lot of times we just always think about us and make it about us, and it's a very selfish kind of Christianity. We need to really think about what, how our lives and how our calling and how our giving and everything we do affects other people. Because those, those, those churches that I had to shut down Basically, they got into a place where they wanted everything to be like the way that they wanted it. So, like, they were all older. You know, you go to a place and, and everybody was, was older. So, guess what? They liked the style of worship and they liked the style of the church that was popular, like back in 1982 when they still got saved. And they didn't want anybody new coming in. They didn't want to try anything new or different because somebody new coming in would have disrupted what they liked. And they became inward focused and how we like worship and how we want church and how we want things to be. But meanwhile, there's a whole community that's on the outside that is dying and going to hell. And they don't want to change anything they do because they're worried about their own comfort. And that's how I don't want to be. I don't want us to ever get into that place. And so let's look at 1 Chronicles 22, verse 5. Not to be confused with 2 Corinthians. When I first got saved, I didn't know the difference. I just thought they said it differently. Pastor was like, go to, go to First Chronicles. I was in First Corinthians. Like, I don't know. It's not lining up. Now, David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all countries. And I will now make preparation for it. 
So David made abundant preparations before his death. Now it was really in David's heart to build a temple for God. This is really what he felt like, you know, unifying the kingdom that he was gonna be the one to build the temple, but God spoke to him and it was clear that he was not gonna be the one to build the temple in his lifetime. The temple was gonna be built, but it just wasn't gonna happen in his lifetime. So although he would never see this temple get built, although he was never gonna see the glory of God, this was something that would have been the greatest move of God that they had ever seen before. God was dwelling with them, but, but even dwelling with them in a, in a tabernacle, it was just a tent. They were going to build this glorious temple where they were going to be able to go and, and worship God. And, and it was on David's heart to build it, but he knew he wasn't going to do it in his lifetime. So what he did is he prepared for his son everything that his son would need. He got all the wood in abundance. He got all the iron in abundance, all the bronze, all the precious metal that they would need for constructing the temple, even all the laborers, all the skilled workers, and even his influence he used to speak to the people to say that my son is going to be the one to, to build this temple. And, and what he did is he prepared his son and he gave his son every single thing that his son would need to accomplish that the dream that God put on his heart. And I would just ask you today, what are you actively doing in your life that is preparing the next generation so that they can accomplish greater things than you ever could? What if everything that, that, that we were doing in this church, in this life, that, that, that God would give us a vision that was so great that we would never be able to see it in our lifetime, but there would come a day where our kids would be the one that were going to be the ones that would carry the flame of, of revival and they would be the ones that would bring in the last day's harvest and we would sow and we would prepare and we would work and we would do everything that we needed to do without seeing the full promise of God. Would we still be okay with that? And I'm not saying that God can't accomplish great things in your life. He can, but I'm telling you that we need to set up this next generation to accomplish greater things than we ever could. And that needs to be intentional. And that happens. David made abundant provisions. Verse 6, it says, Then he called for his son Solomon. And he charged them to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and you have made great wars and you shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. And I'll give him rest from his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give him peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father. 
and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he said to you. And the kingdom of Israel was the greatest under Solomon that they had ever seen. It had more wealth, it had more territory, it had more power, and Solomon was able to rest from war because David was a man of war. If we will fight the battles that we need to fight, the next generation will be able to live in rest. Any battle that you're not willing to fight, any battle in your life that you won't win, your children will grow up to have to fight that battle. I say it like this, one generation's compromise will become the next generation's captivity. What battle in your life are you fighting? For some people, you know, the battle can be, you know, financial. It's just generation after generation of poverty, just, you know, never getting by, always struggling, you know, never having enough. And, and, and you got to learn to fight that battle and you got to learn, you, you know, you got to learn that, you know, God's message for prosperity and you got to learn, you know, working and sowing and reaping and your giftedness. You got to fight that battle so your children don't have to stay in that kind of captivity. It can be an emotional, uh, it can be an emotional battle that you need to fight. Well, you know, we're just, that's how all my family is, you know, we're just, you know, put the, paint the ethnicity in. Well, we're just all Italian, so we all yell and cuss at each other. Or, you know, we're all, we're all Irish, so we all drink. You know, that's just how we do it. We, you know, I was, you know, my great-grandfather was a drunk and my grandfather was a drunk. And hey, that's just how we do it. No, somebody's got to break the cycle. Somebody's got to say no. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. My, my grandparents and my great-grandparents, they might have been like that, but I'm not walking in that same dysfunction. I'm going to do whatever I need to do because my children are going to live a life of rest. And if I got to be a man of war so that my children can rest, I'm going to fight it. It can be, you know, family, you know. Nobody, nobody stays together. Everybody's divorced. No, you know what? I'm going to learn how to fight for my marriage. I'm going to learn how to put God at the center of my marriage. I'm going to learn how to stick it out so that, my parent, so that my children can learn to have a healthy relationship. You know, my, my great-grandfather had a whole bunch of kids to a whole bunch of people, and then, you know, that, then my grandfather had a bunch of women that he got pregnant to a whole bunch of people, and, and you know, no, you, you know, need to learn to get yourself under control. Because if you don't, then your kids won't be under control. But if you will fight the battles, then you will enable your children to go and do things that you could never do. It's like, it's like you're bumping them up, like you're grabbing them and, and putting your hand under their foot and like pushing them up and above the wall. Addictions, you got to fight it. 
You, you got to fight it. And, and, and even if you're okay with it, even if you're okay with living like that and you're okay with compromising like that, then why don't you do it for your kids? Even if you're okay with saying, you know what, I'm okay with being in this area and I'm not really worried about it. Think about like, would I want my kids to see me do this? Do I want my kids to live like this? And learn to fight. David's son was able to rest from all his enemies because David went out and he killed every enemy of Israel. And I'm not telling you to like kill a bunch of people, right? So don't like kind of isolate this clip and be like, yeah, you know, kind of this pastor's a little crazy. In a spiritual sense, right? Whatever you got to do to get healthy in here, so that you can pass down that health from your kids to each generation. That's what you need to do. And that's what you need to take seriously. And that's how you begin to pass the baton away in a good way. And some of you guys might be out here thinking right now, well, you know what, I really don't have kids, so I guess I can just kind of erase this whole message. But then you don't understand like what church is really about. Because this is supposed to be a family. And this right here is supposed to multiply. And everyone is called to make disciples. And everyone's called to be spiritual fathers to to spiritual sons. And and everybody's called to be spiritual mothers to to spiritual daughters. And and listen, I can tell you this, that as you try to raise people up and, and you try to talk to people about the Lord and you try to help them in their life, you're never gonna be able to take them farther than you are yourself. So do it for their sake. So we can multiply as a church spiritually and build a family of God even if we're not multiplying biologically. Do you guys understand that? And also as a church, we really need to renew our emphasis and revisit it about the next generation. One younger generation seeking the wisdom and knowledge from an older generation and, and the older generation selflessly pouring into the younger and having the greatest joy in not what they can accomplish in their life, but having the greatest joy in what their spiritual sons and their spiritual daughters can accomplish more in their life than they ever could. You know, when I was uh, seated Um, When I was seated as lead pastor in this house, I I was handed many battles. And and I'm not saying that that I, you know, to, to feel bad for myself. I mean, I knew what I was getting into, right? And, and ever since I became pastor of this church, I've been, I've been in the arena, right? Fighting religious spirits, battling prejudices because people didn't understand what kind of church uh, this was, Um, battling the debt that was handed to us, battling all the the maintenance projects that were just left deferred and, and not paid for. And listen, I can promise you this, I'm not done. I will continue 
to fight. I will continue to sacrifice. I will continue to lay my my life down so that we can make abundant preparations uh, for those who are coming in to run this next leg of the race. But I need some people to stand and fight with me. And I need some people to, to sacrifice for me. And I know I need some people to say, you know what? I'm not afraid to get on the front lines for you. And I'm not afraid to get into the battle. And I'm willing to sacrifice some of my comfort. And I'm willing to sacrifice some of my treasure. And I'm willing to to go the distance. And even if I don't see all the promises of, of all the sowing and all the giving and all the work that I do in my life, I know that I'm laying up something that's going to be great for the next generation who's truly going to build the kingdom even more than we ever could. Amen. Amen. There was a, Glenn Burris was here just a few weeks ago and, um, and, and he was sharing with me some of the things that he did and he took over a church called Grace Covenant Church and it was in Cornelius, North Carolina. When he took over that church, there were 60 people in that church. When he decided to hand it off to the next pastor, to the associate pastor that he had, it had 600 people. When he, that weekend that he was here preaching, that same associate pastor that he handed the church off to was handing that same church over to his son. But now instead of 600 people in a rented building, it was in an attendance of 3,500 people in a, in a building and a facility and a property that was easily over $10 million. You wanna talk about one good handoff after another good handoff after another good handoff. That's what it looks like. And he didn't get there on his own. He said that he didn't even, he didn't even have enough money to, when he first started, to afford a car. And he had a guy in his church that owned a car lot and said, you know what, I'm just going to give you a new car every year and you can just trade it in every year. So we always had a car to drive. There was a lady that, that had a big plot of land that she could have easily sold for a million dollars. She turned around, she gave it to the church. The church was now built on that property. And I'm going to tell you, God has been really dealing with me. Everything all right? You guys all right over there? God has laid big plans on my heart to, to finish the remodel on this place. I, I've, I've spent a lot of years and said, you know what? I don't wanna, I don't wanna put the church in debt. I don't wanna, I, I, don't, I don't wanna like, I don't wanna do anything. And you know, lately I just feel like there's a grace that like lifted from my life. As I look around and I look at the, the peeling paint and I look at the, the floor under the pews, I'm like, it's time. It's time for us to, to push forward. And it's time for us to really remodel this church and make it into a, a first-class facility that's second to none. We can do that for like a fraction, a fraction of the money that these people are out there building churches for. I mean, a small fraction of that money. We can remodel this place so people will walk in here and be like, that is the most beautiful church 
that, I, that, I, that I've ever seen. And I believe that we're, will, you know, we need to really start praying about taking everything to the next level, to build a staff here and to build an infrastructure so that we can grow and we can build a bigger church and build a bigger online presence to continue to build influence in, the, in this whole region, to retire the debt on this property, to be debt-free so our kids never have to worry about having debt. They never have to worry about replacing a boiler or not having enough money to replace a roof. They don't have to worry about any of that. They can live in peace and because we were faithful and we slayed all the enemies that were trying to attack and destroy what God is doing. Every enemy on every side. But that's what it's going to take. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take us to fight. It's going to take us to come together under a common vision and say, you know what? I believe that the time is now for us to get in this race and us to run with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength and get it done and truly be the church that God called us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you guys could just stand to your feet very quickly, and I want you to just come into an agreement with me. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that it is time to move forward. We thank you that it is time to move forward, that you have called us into a season of pushing ahead. Lord, and we are willing to pay the cost, whatever it takes, to do exactly what you called us to do, to be exactly who you called us to be. Lord, I, we want to do this with the people that are coming behind us in mind, knowing the sacrifices of those who even, some who even gave their life for the gospel so that today that we could know you, that we could have, uh, that we could be forgiven, that we could have the abundant life, that we could have the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And we are ready to proclaim and make your name known, Lord. So we, we just ask you humbly, Lord, we ask you for increase in every, every area. Lord, we pray to you for increase in people, Lord. We pray that there would be an increase in miracles, Lord. We pray that there would be an increase in the power of the Holy Spirit in this place, Lord. We pray that there would be an increase in influence, Lord. We pray that your name would be known and everybody would know that there is indeed a God up in heaven who still rules and reigns, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you are taking us in to our winning season. We give you honor and glory and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. And somebody shout amen. amen. Somebody shout a better amen. amen. God, we glorify you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. And we're going to go ahead and Brother Rich is going to come up and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And you guys are going to have the best Mother's Day that you ever had. As you all know, it's time for communion. Now, if uh, you are not saved or you are not a believer, please do not take uh, the communion with us.
But remember, there's always a time where you could be saved. Um, also, if you do not have a host with you right now, please raise your hand and an usher will bring you one. And on the night he was betrayed, Jesus was with the apostles during the Last Supper, which was then the Passover Supper. And I'm sure a lot of people think today, Passover Supper. We being Christians, do we have that? Jesus Christ is our Passover. And anyway, during the supper, as they were eating, he took bread. He broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this bread is my body. Please take it for forgiveness of sin. You may, you may eat the bread. Later on during the supper, Jesus took the cup. He raised the cup, blessed it, and told the apostles, this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which will be shed for you and for all men. When you drink from this cup, drink in memory of me, the Lord Jesus Christ. You may drink from the cup. May the Lord bless and keep you. May him, his face shine upon you. Let him be part of your life forever and ever and ever. We ask this through Christ our Lord. This is the end of the service. Thank you. Please stick around for um, praise with the praise group if they're going to sing any longer.